Hello and welcome to the 14th episode of Talking Total Talent. Uh, this week we chat with Emil Garcia. Emil is the head of people and culture at carparts.com. Um, Emil talks all things people and culture for uh, an operation of about 600 headcount and um, with an uh, internal mobility program and doing all the perm hiring as well. Um, it's really interesting chat. We get into how uh, Emil's uh, certification as a Gallup Strengths coach has also impacted her her ability to be a PNC leader and actively hire a TA team. For those new to Talking Total Talent, it's a podcast and video series that's focused on all things total talent management. So by that, what we mean is talent acquisition in relation to um, perm, external hiring, so internal mobility as well, and then direct sourcing of uh, contingent workers, gig temps, all within one uh, internal recruitment team. Okay, so without further ado, let's get stuck into episode 14. Hello and welcome to this episode of Talking Total Talent with me, your host, Ben Satchwell, and I'm super pleased this week to be joined by Emil Garcia. Hello, Emil. Hello, Ben, and good morning, good afternoon, good evening to your viewers, wherever they may be in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm Sydney-based. Emil, you're in Manila, in the Philippines? Yes, in yeah. the Philippines. That's it, and it's great to have um, stories from that part of the world. We've had uh, so far, guests that have been based in the United States, in South Africa, Australia, of course, my, my home country, and, and now the Philippines. So we're really branching out and getting those tales from all over the world, which is great. So, um, okay, why don't we jump straight in? Amir, why don't you set the scene a bit, tell us a bit about your background and, and what you're doing today. I am head of people and culture uh, in carparts.com in the Philippines. So our people and culture team is a combination of HR, of organizational development and then internal communications, people experience. So really everything that's people related combined in that one department. Oh, wow. So let's I am also no, please um, I am also on the site a Gallup certified strengths coach. So I'll bring that into my role in, in people and culture. Awesome. Um, what's the size of car parts business, FTE, headcount, that side of things? Uh, we are 600 now in Manila. Okay, fantastic. And how many in your HR department? There's 10 of us. 10 of us. Okay, great. And do you have one, any... one to 60? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you have any specialist recruiters internally or talent acquisition professionals? Yes. Um, I have three um, recruiters. None of them is specializing in, in recruitment. Um, and that's how we really design the role for HR teams, mobility in itself as well in the future. Um, but about, they dedicate 60, 70% of their time for recruitment, depending on the number of heads for us to fill in the department. Yeah, and what's, um, so on per annum basis, how many, how many roles do you fill? We have a contact center group. So when they open roles, that's going to be in volumes, uh, 100, 200. Last year, I think we filled over 200 for them. Uh, right now we have uh, 34 that's open, uh, which is a good number, manageable. But um, of course, it's not always in the volume of hires, right? It's also in the difficulty of skills to find. 
Um, so if it's technology roles, marketing roles, we know that even if it's just one or two headcount, we know we have to spend effort <laughs> in, in hiring for them. I'm going to go back to the, there's a couple of good bits you said there, the high volume hiring and the, um, the difficulty fine. We'll loop back around to that later on, which is great. So, um, and uh, as a starting point broadly, any lessons that you've learned um, working for an organization the size of carparts.com that, that you can share early on? In terms of um, talent acquisition, I think the most challenging part here is it's many departments in the 600 headcount, there's contact center, we have technology, we have marketing, we have data and catalog, we have merchandising. So really it's, it's an, an entire company uh, with counterparts in the Philippines. I've been in, in organizations as well with bigger headcount, but that's just maybe one, two skills, uh, similar skills for, for the hundreds or thousands. This one is 600, but very different specializations. So um, I have recruiters assigned to contact center. So that person has to be a master for the contact center skills. Technology is another thing altogether. Vast skills of DevOps, uh, many different programming languages they need. Marketing, very specialized communications, writing skills um, as well. So what I learned is you really cannot hire just by getting the JDs, the job descriptions, and then rolling with it. Conversations are very important. Conversations with the hiring managers is one, but also conversations with the people who are actually in the role because they know the non-negotiables. If you see what they are actually doing, then you will look for necessary skills as you hire. So really that connection with the hiring team is, is very important. And then going out there, finding where the candidates are um, is also very important. So my three recruiters, one will be on Facebook, the other will be very heavily on LinkedIn, the other will be heavily on Jobstreet, because that's where we find the biggest number of talent for a specific department. Absolutely. And um, hiring manager engagement and relationships has come up quite a few times. Um, how are the relationships between your team and hiring managers at the moment? And if positive, sort of any tips on how you've created that culture? It's Well, I have to really, there's a lot of good things to say about the culture of carparts.com. I joined carparts.com in 20, 2019 and the culture there is already family-like, they're very caring, um, they care about each other's feelings, what, what the other person thinks. So that's something that I wouldn't take credit for. This is for the people who's been there a long time. Um, in terms of the changes that we brought, it's more of structure um, and it's more of speed. And the hiring managers like that as well. They like the recruiters following up on them for their feedback. They like the recruiters really, you know, very fast in submitting CVs. Um, and when they know that you, your team, your recruiters are really servicing them, prioritizing them, then the relationship, the partnership is, uh, you know, easier to fuel, so to speak. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to change gears slightly and move towards total talent. So the sort of niche focus of, of our podcast. So when um, when you think about total talent management or total talent acquisition, and um, for the benefit of the audience, what I mean by that is not just external perm hiring, but um, in, in, can include internal mobility, hiring of temps, gig workers, contingent workers, and so forth. How important for carparts.com is total talent at the moment? This is very important. Um, Carparts.com used to be US Auto Parts. And then before US Auto Parts, it used to be MBS Tech. Um, so in 2019, there was a huge change in leadership. We have new CEO, we have new CFO, COO, uh, several Cs. Yes, our country manager, my boss, um, also joined 2019, also joined 2019. And so there's this sort of 360 change um, in leadership. And with that is the change in priorities, is the change in um, the goals. So the company wanted to, you know, consistently reach greater heights. Um, also only in this company, what was I given the opportunity to meet one of the owners who is very, very humble, very humble person. Um, so, so there, um, and because we wanted to reach greater heights, we wanted to make sure that we have the people who are in place. So we might have to hire a few a few people to bring in talent, but also there's so much value in the folks who are already in the company. So we have uh, employees who's been with carparts.com for I guess 15 years. Wow. Several of them, 10 years. So you don't want them to stagnate. Um, you want continuous development for them. And they bring with them the vast experience as well. And then their historical value um, within them. So you wanted to keep them. And of course, the way to keep them is to develop them. Um, roles nowadays, you cannot just create roles. Uh, and just promote people, right? So the development portion of it has to be there all the time. And um, that's a focus that we have this year as well. For the frontline leaders, so these are the team leaders, they are almost always internally sourced. Um, so the focus is, what about for managers? What about for directors? We want for them eventually to go into these layers. Um, eventually. So we have um, training needs assessments going on. Um, and then with that, we identify the gaps that we have to address them. There's a technical aspect, which they generally take care of. Um, in technology, for example, that's very specific and ever-changing, similar with marketing, um, even with the contact, within the contact center space. But within the leadership um, area it is really my team who we have an organizational development manager who takes care of what has to be the leadership behaviors that each one should exhibit what are the gaps and then this year we are focusing on really addressing the gaps with the trainings and and of course when it comes to total talent um acquisition or the total talent engagement landscape we, you don't do just training, right? You wanted to make sure that whatever was learned 
and training also translates into their day-to-day -day work and you supplement that with mentoring with coaching and things around development uh, awesome so i've got a couple of follow-on questions from that um first one is around evp so employer branding um and what have you so when given that you recently rebranded from us parts was it us car parts to car parts us other parts That's to it, car parts yes. <laughs> um, and then there was another brand name before that um when an organization goes for a rebrand what is the flow on impact to the employer brand and the value proposition um, or is there even one um, as that was happening in the us there was an also uh, an exercise being done here around brand identity and then what kind of identity do we want as we transition into carparts.com our marketing head is a brilliant brilliant person who helped us within that space branding he's an expert in that um so we worked with the ones who's been there a long time 10 15 year tenured employees with the new leaders and then we all sat down together and talked about um how do we want to be known? How were we known before? Uh, and then came up with kind of the theme that we want uh, for our identity as carparts.com, which is retaining the good ones, of course, and then challenging ourselves to do even more with more next level stuff of, of enabling uh, the journeys of the employees, enabling journeys of the customers and even the stakeholders. Awesome. And linked to that, you, you mentioned employee journeys, which was my, the second part of my question, which was around um, your leaders come from within. Um, so that suggests that there's a lot of thought gone into career pathways and um, internal mobility. Do you have a, is, is that an, a formal internal mo talent mobility program you have, or is it classed as a career pathways? What does, what does that look like? Um, in the past, I think that was um, just a best case scenario for them that's easier as well um the actual structured uh, more intentional career pathing is happening this year okay cool um i do want to talk about benchmarking a little bit i'm, I'm always curious in this topic so um you've been with the organization since 2019 so you've seen quite a lot i mean we've had a global pandemic in that time and, and all sorts have gone on um when you first joined as the head of uh, people and culture, um, how did you go about sort of benchmarking what you wanted carparts.com to be in the future? So first of all, you need a current state. Um, how did you go about benchmarking that current state? The current state, a lot of conversations with the leaders, with employees. Intentionally, I spoke with um, the leaders who were internal um, growing. Um, there's a terminology for that, uh, homegrown <laughs> talent yeah. there, um, because they kind of see from, from a higher perspective, but also they are within that space. So we had a lot of conversations with them um, in a branding exercise that I was um, discussing earlier. We talked about um, that exactly. What culture do you see? Or what culture have you seen in the past? Which of this do we want to continue um, having uh, as a company? And then what do we add as we move forward? Then of course, we 
we always coordinate with HQ in the US, of course, so that it's just one company um, perspective. Fantastic. And um, for uh, talent acquisition, so um, I'm going to loop back around to what I mentioned at the start. So you've got 34 open headcount at the moment. Um, I'm going to loosely define them as sort of corporate roles. And then for the, you can do anything sort of two to 300 for the contact center. So the high volume hiring side of things. What are the top challenges that you're facing in talent acquisition in region at the moment? Uh, for for contact center, it's really where to look for hiring. If it's marketing, it's the right skills, the best people who can join us when we need them. Um, because most digital marketers would want freelance jobs, and that's not what we're looking for at the moment. And then in technology, it's always diversity. Um, I think this is global. Even in the universities, there's more, you know, in terms of gender balance. Um, but of course, um, diversity is a lot more than that. Um, and then the other thing, Ben, that I'm very interested in nowadays is looking at it from the other perspective. So recruiters, you always look at things from the recruitment side, hiring manager side of things, the company side of things, of course. But then there is a candidate side as well. And I believe that when, when we say total talent, um, engagement, total talent acquisition, it encompasses from candidate experience. So my greatest challenge in that respect is being able to have all their CVs in one space um, and then um, being able to give them feedback that is not generic, um, a lot more personalized based on what skills don't they have? Why are we not hiring them? Or can they improve on communications? Is it writing skills, etc.? So um, that's biggest challenge number one for me. And also, it's it's vast, right? You receive lots of CVs. What happens to the CVs when you have hiring again? Because they're not all not accepted. Some of them just turned in their CV slate. So being able to go back to the CVs and kind of build that relationship with them, even in that stage of uh, your relationship. So, so there, I think a very good um, HR technology will help <laughs> in, that, in that area as well. But right now that's where we are when it comes to recruiting. The company also experienced tremendous growth in the pandemic. Um, prior to the pandemic, we only had 20 open recs. So at that time, I wasn't thinking about ATS because 20 open recs, manageable. One recruiter can hire that. And so now that's why we already have three because of the enormous growth yeah. last year and there's projection of further growth this year as well. Everyone must be at home in lockdown, looking at their cars <laughs> and uh, yes. yeah, finally getting around to that. Okay. I need to do that DIY car project or something like that. So um, no, that's good. That's good. So I'm going to talk about the first one. So can they experience, you mentioned this sort of challenge number one, as I understood it. Um, have you got any plans in place on how to fix that yet? Or sort of what's your thinking from a solution perspective? We tried to do it um, locally, meaning 
one shared folder for all the recruiters. Um, and then we have trackers. But um, I guess as we move forward, it will be very good to look into uh, and a very good ATS system that will supply your needs. Um, I think that's the most intelligent way, that's the best way in, in handling that bit of, of, the, of the concern. And um, so that, that segues quite nicely into sort of the technology-based questions that I was, gonna, that was going to ask. So um, are you, what's the structure of your uh, te HR technology stack at the moment? Do you work off one HRIS? Do you have disparate systems? What does that look like? We have an HRIS. Um, that one, we are very particular when it comes to performance management. So we invested heavily on that. Um, and the, a little bit of learning in, within that HRIS tool. Um, there is a recruitment module. We did not go into that space yet. Um, as I said, we had only 20 <laughs> open legs last year. So is that something on your priority list in the coming five months? Yes, definitely. And how are you thinking through it at the moment? Um, strangely enough, when I think about HR technology, the priority is really not technology, but after sales support. Yeah. <laughs> um, when I look for, so with, with the HRIS tool that we have, that's also one of the questions that we have when we ask for tender um, in the checklist, that's one of the key items after sales support. We did our research and that's very important because when you buy a system, you don't know that automatically, right? You're not a master of that yet. So it's very important for me, um, especially for my team. After the go live, do we have someone who we can reach out to who was, will it be easy for us to ask for help and support essentially? And then I wanted to, I saw one of your interviews and you were talking about the emperor, was it the emperor's uh, new yeah, clothes? Yeah, the emperor's new clothes, yeah. <laughs> right, and I was like, yes, that's true. Um, some will say we have ATS package, we have performance management package, and for example, for the performance management modules. So we spoke with a lot before we got the HRIS system we have, um, and they said they have performance management. So initially that was a check on the little checklist we were maintaining. And so we asked for a demo and my thought when it comes to performance management is there are fields, you can populate your goals, objectives, and then you can score them. Turned out, it's just a repository where you do the entire goal setting on PDF or on, on, on any document, Word document, save it in PDF, and then upload it in that site. Um, so that was a huge bummer, I would say, when, when looking for a tool, they name it differently. Uh, and you think you you have what it is that you needed, but that, that wasn't the case. So asking for a demo is very important. Yeah. Uh, and for an ATS, African tracking system, um, I, I'm not sure if I've seen any, uh, maybe you can recommend, um, but most 
feedback to the candidates. They're generic. Uh, you can write and then you can send. But I'm looking for a tool that will tell them or, or will give them a more personalized why. Why, why was I not hired by this company? Um, no, you're and so on. You're absolutely right. And that's, yeah, that's down to the technology having the ability uh, to communicate two-way in a way that is um, reduced administration for the, for the users, um, both hiring managers and recruiters. So I completely agree on that. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll run through that sort of afterwards, sort of what I'm seeing in that stage. Sure. With the regards to the Emperor's New Clothes, you're right, I've um, got a couple of very young kids and I'm always reading them stories. And uh, randomly that one popped up on something. I thought, that's very relevant to buy, uh, buying HR tech. Um, the other thing is- It um, was. The, uh, the other thing is, um, I'm about to hit publish on uh, another episode with a lady called uh, Kerry Palomar. She's a uh, head of HR at a software company. And she uh, is fantastic, reviewed 15 vendors recently. And um, she used the words radical transparency. And that's one of uh, where she works, uh, a company called Adventist. That's one of their um, uh, values. And it's really interesting to hear you say that as well, because it's that, it's that transparency up front that seems to be the, the big thing that buyers want, which we all want as human beings. I guess so. That's good to hear. So when um, so that's with the ATS side of things. Um, with your team, are you thinking much around uh, upskilling the recruiters at the moment, or investing in their sort of L and D tailored to talent acquisition? Is there much going on around that? Um, for the recruiters themselves, they yeah, are yeah. yeah, they're in fact joining a training. Uh, next week <laughs> yeah that wasn't yeah, we didn't plan that, that. <laughs> you're on point <laughs> um next week yeah they will go off two days next week to to attend this training and i gave them assignments <laughs> so you'll attend the training it's going to be great it's going to be fun um but going back they have to do an echo session and whatever is useful from the training they implement. Um, that's about behavioral interviewing. So it could be a refresher for them, or I'm sure that they will learn new skills because in, in, in our space in talent acquisition, HR overall, there's always new skills, new trends popping up. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, I believe. Um, I've got a, a round of questions that I, that I tend to ask, which I call the loaded question round. And these are just observations I hear from HR leaders, talent acquisition leaders. So I'll go through a couple of loaded questions and I'd, I'd love to get your opinion on how you would help them think through that because you, you do operate total talent acquisition where you are. Um, so um, let's have a look at that. So um, first one I hear quite regularly uh, from, from your peers is I don't have time and or resources to implement a total talent acquisition strategy. Um, how would you help them think through that? Um, it first of all, it will just be in circles. They'll be just going around circles of this problem. They don't set time, uh, set aside time in fixing the framework of their total talent acquisition. Then there'll be more problems in the future. So I think at any point in time, no matter how many requisitions they needed to fill, it's really about taking time to just stop, 
analyze what's been going on, work with their uh, hiring managers in terms of the priorities, because sometimes you find in HR, we do so many things. But if you go to your stakeholders and ask them, there's just very little that they need from the team. And so it's that focus that is necessary. And uh, if you're able to focus, then time will magically appear. If you, you know, take out the noise of, oh, I, I thought this is important for them, but it's really not. <laughs> um, so time is something that I think you create. It's not something that will happen for you. Okay, great. And the other uh, loaded question, I had loaded question number two, is um, concerns around the change management piece and how you manage change. That is one of the areas I think in my job that I love change management I, I love change personally other people don't um, and I've worked with leaders who both love change who are excited thrilled with change and there are leaders who are taking a backseat and uh, uh, I don't think that's necessary I don't think this is important so I think being able to get the buy-in of those people the key stakeholders who are very reluctant and getting getting them in to participate in the entire change process. I think looking back, the, the, the only time I had difficulty in introducing change is when I introduced change as one big package and then push it to them. Then they will resist. But um, what I learned is my partners, my team, my key stakeholders, my boss, his boss, if they are in from the get-go, meaning before I even create this huge box of change, if they are in, then it will be easier. They become your advocates in bringing about change, no matter which area of, of HR or OD that may be. Awesome. Um, I wanted to loop that round to uh, that you're also a certified Gallup Strength Coach. You mentioned at the start. Yes. What, um, I wouldn't mind just asking a few questions around that. What, are the, um, what would you say are some key lessons that you've taken from being certified there? The biggest one, um, we normally expect people to, or I, <laughs> I normally expect people to behave and think in the way that I do. So in the past, the way that I uh, operate my team is everyone has to be fast. Everyone has to know this, know that. Everyone has to be interested in reading. <laughs> um, but then with with Clifton Strengths, which is a base assessment for for the Gallup coaching, there's several talents people have, and that the best teams are actually not made up of all superstars in the same area. They are superstars in their own field. And it's when you harness the energy of everyone as a team, help them to partner with each other. Some people are very careful, very cautious. Um, and then some people are very fast. But So if you partner them, then it, it's, a, it's a very potent combination. And so if you do that for every single member of your team, then there's so much you can do together um, rather than expecting them to kind of march um, in a singular beat. It becomes some more joyful kind of music that you play. And is that, 
sort of an ongoing process and journey that you have to go on as the team evolves? Um, or yes. is, is, it, is, it, is there a timeline that you can put in place to work on something like that? Um, I'd like to think of the strengths-based development course of movement. So there's no specific timeline. There's timeline in the beginning. Uh, like there's timeline for them to take the assessment. There is timeline for them to understand what their own individual talents are. There's timeline for them to understand how to harness these talents um, and convert them, turn them into their strengths. But then from there forward, it's an ongoing daily, how did I use my strengths today? How did I leverage my strengths today? Or how can I use this to contribute more to the organization? Or how can I use this to partner with, with my colleague? Yeah, absolutely. And does that um, play a part in your, when you're creating, so let's say you've raised a job rep for your a member of the HR team, so the rep position is approved and in place. Does it affect your thinking on what you need to add to the dynamic of the team based on what you already know about the current team? Yes, absolutely. Um, I want diversity. Um, many, many people will say they're looking for someone who is a good culture fit. For me, I, I always want, I, I am always looking for someone who is a culture add because then that broadens my team, that brings us to greater heights as we work together. Um, so knowing them, yes, that becomes a key component, but um, that assessment can never be used in, in hiring. So it's just whatever you get from the interviews. After all, in talent acquisition, you want to hire the best fit person for the role. It's not always the best talent that's out there. Fantastic. Well, I think that's a great note to finish on. Emil, you've been very um, generous with your time. I really appreciate it. And um, yeah, uh, you're pretty active on LinkedIn. Is that the best place for people to find you if they've got any questions? Yes. And I'm open for um, coaching, uh, maybe consultation that they might have, especially during the pandemic, a lot of people lost their jobs. So if they needed help on interviewing skills, brush up, et cetera, Fantastic. I'd be happy to help them. I'll make sure I drop the link in where we promote the episode. You've been a pleasure to speak with Neil. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ben. Thank you for having me.